Hello and welcome to a, another podcast episode. Thanks for all your messages and emails <laughs> about my tooth or lack of tooth. I've just got a very achy jaw now. Um, several of you have said, never heard a dentist saying you might have to go to hospital. Well, halfway through the, the extraction, he did say, if I can't get this out, you will have to go to hospital. And it has happened. Uh, my mother, she had to go back three times to have a tooth out, um, not to hospital, but to the same dentist, three different appointments just to get one tooth out. And a couple of other people I know have ended up in hospital having teeth out. I don't know whether they've had, I must ask them, general anaesthetic or whatever, why they go to hospital, I don't know. They probably need to knock you out, um, jack your mouth open with a you know, big metal device so they can get in there with both hands and a big pair of pliers. No, we'll end that there. Okay, now, <laughs> oh dear, dreadful. Reg, hello Reg. Is everyone fed up? with all this ridiculous nonsense people coming out with, such as, let's drill down, let's unpack this. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, Reg. He's listed some more here. Let's solution this. I mean, what are these people on about? Let's solution, let's find an answer. That's what they mean. Unpack, drill down, double click, peel back the layers of the onion. Why can't we just say what we mean? Peel back the layers of the onion, take a closer look. Let's hope this ask doesn't take too much efforting. <laughs> Let's hope what they want isn't too difficult to do. I don't know. Unpack. You unpack a Christmas present, a birthday present, don't you? And drill down. You know, I imagine someone with a drill and they're drilling away to the bottom. Well, teeth. No, don't know. Not teeth. <laughs> Any dentists listening? I've been reading up about extracting teeth and uh, I now know quite a bit about it. I might go into business, actually. Have your teeth out. Now, 50 quid and I'm losing money. <laughs> no, seriously, I know what you're talking about, Reg. I do, I do understand. It's all rubbish, isn't it? All this stuff people come out with, unpacking and drilling down. There are loads more. I must have a look, uh, Reg says in his email. Have a look on the internet. Look up all this nonsense. What's the other one? B-A-U? Is it business as usual? It's ridiculous. Now, I did tell you that uh, during this episode, I'd tell you all about Bournemouth, what it was like, the price of drinks in the hotel. Well, I can't, can I? Because I'm recording this before I go to Bournemouth. So you will hear this when I'm in Bournemouth. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, you know that, don't you? I haven't done the weather, have I? It's Thursday at the moment. Thursday, the, uh, where are we? 29th of September, 2022. It's 10 past 10 in the morning, beautiful blue sky, little bit of breeze from the east. Oh, there's uh, wind and lashing rain coming in from the west well, tomorrow. And we are driving down to the west country tomorrow. So we will meet that. That should be fun. And, and then on the Saturday, it's going to be a lot of rain down that way. And on Sunday, when we drive back, I think it's quite nice. So yeah, again, the good old British weather. Right, the temperature at the moment is 13 degrees, or 1003 millibars, by the way, 13 degrees centigrade. 13 degrees Celsius is 55.4 degrees Fahrenheit. Which, according to Alexa, is, what did she say? 54 Fahrenheit. Now, I know a lot of you like these stories that I tell, these uh, episodes and things that happened many, many decades ago. 
So I'm going to tell you one now. This is quite good. I know that a lot of people like The Girl and the Boat. That was interesting. That was only a week and a half out of my entire life, a week and a half. But uh, quite a, an amazing story and something I'll never forget. Now, have a listen to this one. Hope you enjoy it. Many moons ago, a girlfriend and I went down to Hope Cove in Devon. What a wonderful place. If you ever find yourself in Devon, go down. It's past Kingsbridge, Hope Cove. As the name suggests, it's on the, on the sea. And it's a lovely place. We took a tent. We hadn't had rain for something like six weeks, seven weeks. And we thought this lovely summer weather, we'll take a tent and camp in a farmer's field somewhere. <laughs> so we borrowed a tent from a friend of mine and some camping gear, you know, pans, pots and bits and pieces. He had a, a camping stove, a gas, was it a gas, G-A-Z, camping gas. And we loaded all this in the back of my 1954 Hillman Minx. <laughs> and we drove all the way down to Hope Cove. Oh yeah, we'd gone to Hope Cove because someone had mentioned it. I like Devon. We've both been there a few times and we really like Devon. And this chap said, try Hope Cove. So as we arrived, it started raining and it got harder and harder and it was raining and raining and lashing rain. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, we can't put a tent up in a field like this. There was a little pub there. Couldn't have lunch there because pubs closed at two o'clock. We'd missed it. They, well, they closed, what was it, closed at two, was it? Or half two or something, open again at six. We'd missed the pub. We're sitting in the car, wondering what on earth to do, when we notice a, a bed and breakfast place. Little notice in the window, bed and breakfast. So we went over there, knocked on the door. Lovely lady answered in her oh, early 40s, I suppose. Hello, you two, she said. Come in, come in, as if she was expecting us. <laughs> so we went in. Have you driven far? Said, yeah, we've come from Worthing along the coast. Oh, that's a long way. Have you had lunch? And we said no. She led us through to a, a big kitchen. No, we haven't had lunch. Right, cup of tea, first of all. She put the kettle on. What would you like in your sandwiches? And we're thinking, has she mistaken us for someone else? Has someone booked to stay there and she thinks that that's us? So I said to her, we, we haven't booked or anything. We've only just turned up. Oh, I know that. She said, I know that. She was so friendly. We had a lovely lunch and afterwards she said, now I've got a special treat for you two. I've just made a fruit cake. Do you like fruit cake? I said, yeah, it's my favourite, which it was, it still is. So we had a load of fruit cake. And I said to her, um, right, have you, you've got a, a vacant room? Have you a spare room? Oh, of course I have. I've always got a spare room. So we finished our fruit cake and our tea and we went up to this room and it was lovely. I said to her that we had planned to go camping. We got our tent. She said, oh, no, no, you don't want to go camping. You don't, you don't want to do that. It was a lovely room, beautiful bed, really clean, absolutely wonderful place. Then she turned and looked at me and she said, did you really want to go camping? And I, I said, well, not particularly. We just planned to. We brought all the gear. And she said, well, look, if you really want to go camping, I've got a huge garden. You can pitch a tent out there. And my girlfriend's looking at me like shaking her head negatively. And I said, no, no, no. No, no, we don't stay in your garden. We'll stay here. Thank you. <laughs> I asked her about the rules and the time of things because most bed and breakfast, you have breakfast between, say, seven and eight in the morning. You've got to be out of your room by nine. You can't come back all day till the evening, say, seven o'clock. They don't do evening meals. And she said, no, 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 no. She passed me a key, reached in her pocket, rummaged around, gave me a spare key. You come and go as you like, she said. 
this was fantastic. You know, we were really pleased. It was so lucky that we'd seen the B&B place. Had it not been raining, we would have gone to a local farm and asked if we can pitch a tent in a field somewhere, probably find there's a bull in the field. <laughs> she did say that she wouldn't do evening meals. She said she had her evening meal all over the place, different times, sometimes didn't bother at all. But she said, if you go to the pub, tell them you're staying here, mention my name, tell them you're staying here. They'll do you a really good price on whatever it is you want to eat. So we did that. We unpacked the car and put everything in our room. We went for a walk. The rain stopped. Went for a lovely walk. There's a cliff path, uh, which was really nice walk on, on the cliff, looking out to the sea. The weather cleared up. The sun was shining. And after the torrential rain, this was a fantastic start to the holiday. I had been camping once before when I was 12 years old. Went with my aunt and uncle and their, what, two boys and their daughter. And we had quite a big tent. We went to Wales and it was okay. At 12 years old, it's okay because a sleeping bag and a tent, you know, it's all good fun. I would not want to do that now. Or certainly when I was older, I didn't really want to do that. I don't know why we planned to camp in a tent. I don't know how that came about. But I was so glad that we didn't end up in the tent, <laughs> especially in the woman's garden. That would have been awful. We'd slept really well in this huge bed, had a lovely breakfast. And as we were about to leave, we were going to go out and explore along the cliffs and wherever. She said, don't forget your picnic and passed us this, this bag, this carrier bag with a load of food and stuff in it. And I said to her, well, we, you know, we don't have a great deal of money. I said, what we were going to do is sort of cook our own food. Oh, no, no, I'm not charging you for that, she said. Only going to charge you for the bed and breakfast. If you're here, you can have lunch with me. If you're out, I'll, I'll give you a picnic to take. It was, it was quite amazing. Do you know, over all the decades after that, I kept thinking I must go back to Hope Cove. And I never did. I've never been back. It's not the sort of place that you pass. It's not en route to anywhere. You're either going to Hope Cove or you're not, <laughs> if you see what I mean. Unlike Worthing, where I am, you go along the A27 all the way from, well, basically all the way from Dover, come along the 27, you go through Worthing, or the top part of Worthing anyway. You go right the way down to the West Country. But Hope Cove, it's down on the sea, you know, on a sort of sticky out bit in the sea. So it's not a, a going through place. Uh, one of these days, I don't know, where are we going? We're going to Bournemouth. In fact, when you listen to this, it'll be Sunday. I will be in Bournemouth. We're going down there for a few days. I think we're back on Sunday, late Sunday. But of course, that's not as far as Hope Cove. <laughs> you never know. One day I might find myself down that neck of the woods and I'll go back and have a look. I've stayed in a couple of hotels. I must admit, I don't particularly like posh hotels. I think where we're going to Bournemouth uh, at the weekend, it's not a posh hotel. I remember once it was a hotel somewhere in Surrey. I don't know what I was doing there. I was with the family and this waiter, he kept hovering around the table and he was watching. If someone's wine glass was, you know, getting a little bit low, he'd rush in and top it up. And he was just watching us all the time, standing a few feet away. And I found it quite annoying, actually. I just kept thinking, go away, clear off. <laughs> of course, being common, I was drinking beer. <laughs> being common. And whenever I finished my glass, it was only a little half pint glass. Whenever I finished that, he came over and topped it up, filled it up again from this jug, this pitcher or whatever it's called. I don't know why they call it a pitcher. It's a jug, isn't it? 
But I don't like that. I don't like people hovering. And also you've got to be down for breakfast at a certain time. And if you have the evening meal, I don't like breakfast. Even at the hotel we're going to, I know what it's going to be. You go into the dining area. There'll be a load of people there, which, <laughs> which I don't like. The bread will be some horrible cheap stuff. I thought it smelt of bleach, but uh, apparently they don't put bleach in bread anymore. They did. You don't believe me, do you? They did. In white bread, they put bleach in it to make it look even whiter. Can you imagine eating bleach? Good grief. And of course, the other things with hotels, you know, even the not-so-posh ones, they just hoist up the price of everything. Glass of wine, or £15. Pint of beer, say, yeah, £25. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's true, well, not quite that much, but uh, the prices, they really do put up the prices. I remember we went, was it last year? We go to a hotel most years, end of September, for our wedding anniversary. And last year we went, where, where did we go? Somewhere down the New Forest Way, that way, I can't remember where. And we had a couple of drinks. We had the evening meal out and we'd gone back to the hotel. We thought what we'd do is we'll sit in the sort of lounge area and have a couple of drinks before going up to our room. Well, I had a beer and Trish had a glass of wine. Stoner crows. I said to her, I'm not doing this anymore. And we did buy one more drink each. But uh, after that, no, no, we're not drinking at the hotel. What we did, you weren't allowed to take alcohol to the room for some daft reason. But we did. We bought a bottle, a bottle of wine from the local supermarket place and it was cool. It was out of a fridge and some cans of, um, no, bottles of real ale. And we took those up to our room and sat there watching telly, sipping our drinks and we had a, a lovely end to the day. I do realise that these places have got to make their money somehow, but uh, some of them are pretty steep. And funnily enough, we were the only ones in the, the kind of bar type lounge area no one else there at all. Well, I say funnily enough, I'm not surprised really. <laughs> no one wanted to pay that, especially because uh, we went to this place. Just over the road was a pub and that was kind of half the price of the hotel drinks and it was literally across the road. I can't remember where it was we went to. I suppose it doesn't matter, does it? So back to camping. Yeah, I've never actually been camping apart from when I was 12, I think 12 years old. Maybe I was 13. Caravan? That's totally different. I love going in caravans. We used to take the grandkids to the Isle of Wight every year. That was fantastic. All the kids leaping around in a caravan. Yeah, we took all four of them, <laughs> um, you know, from one daughter, all, all of her four kids. And one of them, the little lad, he was in nappies when we took him, diapers. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was great fun. It's a bit of work looking after them, but they loved it all. Of course, they're all a lot older now and they don't want to come with us. So, uh, what we do is take uh, my mother-in-law and her friend to the Isle of Wight. And I'll tell you what, they need looking after as well. Not quite like the kids, but they need looking after. <laughs> Whenever we've been to the Isle of Wight, it's caravan or a, a lodge type chalet place. Always self-catering. Trish loves cooking. It's a bit of a hobby of hers. And that way we can come and go as we please, do what we like, eat what we like, when we like. Not tied down to meal times and dining room stuff and oh, all that nonsense. I just don't like it. I don't like being tied down. You know, we can get back if we want at three in the afternoon and just chill out in the room, have a meal there. Or we can get back at nine at night, do what we like, have a meal at midnight if we want. <laughs> do you know, people have food deliveries, you know, what is it, Domino and pizza and stuff. We've been staying in a caravan and you get these 
these food chaps turn up, either on mopeds or in cars, taking food to caravans. I mean, can't they make their own stuff? That's a bit lazy. I suppose it's a holiday if you're on holiday. Fair enough. But it just seems a bit, I don't know, a bit odd to me. I wouldn't want pizza delivered. We always take board games and uh, DVDs because there's normally a DVD player in the telly in the caravan or we take our own anyway, just in case. So we play board games in the evenings with the kids, watch whatever it is, Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, you know, for the hundredth time. <laughs> so we, till we know the, the script. What was that other one they watched? Over and over, oh, up. The old chap living in a house, you know, and he goes up. The house goes up in the sky for some reason, I forget why. We must have watched that a million times while we've been on holiday with them. But they love it. Great fun. And they've got memories. This is what I like. Although they don't come with us anymore, whenever we see them, they often say, oh, I remember the Isle of Wight. I remember Black Gang Chine and Robin Hill. They love it. They remember the caravan going swimming. So they've got happy childhood memories, which I think is important, isn't it? Talking of going back to Hope Cove one day, which I didn't, I remember I was driving back from London once and I, I needed a toilet and I found a little pub. I went off the main A24, found a little pub, went in there, had a glass of Coke or whatever, and it was a lovely pub. I looked at the food menu. It was really good. The prices were good. A fantastic pub. And I thought I must come here for lunch one day. And it was some weeks later, I took a friend of mine. I said, we'll go out for lunch. And she was happy with that. I said, I know a little pub. So we went up to where it was, I couldn't find it. And I thought, how strange. It, it was definitely here. I got the right place. And I was beginning to think in the end, we're driving around. I thought, I must have got the wrong place. This can't be it. There's no pub. But there was a tree that I remembered. It had been struck by lightning. And all down the side of this sort of dead tree was this huge burn mark or sort of charcoal. And that was the very tree that I'd looked at when I parked in the pub car park. So I was in the right place, but there was no pub. How strange is that? And funnily enough, I was talking to my mum sometime after that, and she said that she'd had the same experience. Her and my dad had been out for a pub lunch somewhere out in the sticks, and they could never find the pub again. Now, isn't that odd? Perhaps it was a ghost pub. Do you think there are such things as ghost pubs? <laughs> I don't know. I doubt it very much. A ghost pub. I've been there a few times since and I still can't find the pub. The tree's gone now anyway. Someone's chopped that down. So <laughs> there's no hope of finding anything. Talking of bed and breakfast, B&B. &B, what are these air B&B &B things? I've heard about them. I've seen them advertised. I'm not, what does it mean? Air B&B. &B? I must look that up. No doubt one of you will email me. Raise rants at protonmail.com. When I say one of you, several of you, several hundred. <laughs> no, I don't get that many emails, but I am getting an increasing amount, which is good, but it is taking me more time to reply. Airbnb. Yes, I mean, that, I must look that up. I keep meaning to. Whenever I see an advert, I think I must look that up. And I never do. I will one day. And when I discover what it is, I will tell you. Mind you, you probably know already. I keep thinking that we're well into autumn now, but I'm looking out of the window. Blue sky, sunshine, which is nice. The trees haven't lost any of their leaves. In fact, oh, there are one or two over there that are turning brown, you know, the autumn gold, lovely colours. I suppose we're not quite into autumn properly. We've got October. Uh, when is that? Next week? 
end of next week. Where are we? I don't know what the date is. Yes, October, of course. Because I'm recording this a little bit early, I'm not sure what the day is even, because, as I said, I'll be in Bournemouth when you listen to this. So it is, it's it's October, isn't it, now? I've just checked my online calendar, (laughs) high-tech stuff, and it will be the 2nd of October when you're listening to this. So the end of this month, the clocks change. They go back, don't they? Spring forward, fall back. So we lose an hour. That, That always confuses me. What do we do? We lose an hour in the morning or the evening? I don't know. But we lose an hour somewhere. <laughs> Perhaps we gain an hour somewhere else, do we? All I know is it gets darker in the afternoons and in the mornings. So it just gets darker all round, really. I meant to mention this earlier. Um, email from Ange. Looking forward to listening to your down-to-earth voice speaking as if having a pint amongst friends in a local pub. Thank you for that. That's great. That does mean a lot to me, actually. Because that's the way I feel. I'm in here, obviously, in my high-tech studio. I'm alone. And yet I feel as if sitting in a busy pub, chatting amongst friends, having a beer, and we're all chatting away. And yet I'm on my own. That's strange, isn't it? (laughs) Perhaps I'm in a ghost pub again. No, I'm not. What was that dinging noise? Things keep dinging and beeping. I'm not quite... Oh, there's another. Oh, here we are. Oh, it's it's a number one daughter. She's in Florida at Disney. Is it Disney World or something in Florida? Just changing hotels now, she says. They're all talking of hotels. We'll call you once we have checked in. Don't know why they're changing hotels. No doubt I will find out in a minute. I do like this Fitbit watch thing, this Versa 3. I don't use it to tell the time and I don't use it for anything to do with fitness. (laughs) Actually, I do look at the steps, see how many steps I've done, which is usually about 10. No, 10,000. No, it's not. I don't know what it is. But I do like the notifications. News flash, email things, WhatsApp notices come up. So, you know, even if I'm driving along the road, I can just glance at the watch. Oh, yeah, they're changing hotels. (laughs) So it's really useful for that sort of thing. And what I have done, well, when my knee was better, before that all collapsed and went AWOL, what I used to do was, you know, we'd go for a long walk and I'd set the, the walking thing on the watch and it would tell me how far I walked. You could look on the on your phone, on the app, and it would show you a map of where you've walked and how far it was, all that sort of thing. It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Look at that sunshine now. It really is brightening up out there. Blue sky, lovely. A friend of mine back in the 70s, he bought a caravan, a second-hand thing, and he towed it to some site where you could leave it there. you pay rent, leave it there all year round. And his plan was to let it out to people in the summer months, rent it out to holiday makers. And we were in the, pub, in the pub one evening. And I said, how's it going? And he said, well, I've worked out the figures recently. He said, this year I've paid whatever it is in rent and I've let it out however many times and I've lost 20 pounds. <laughs> so he gave that idea up. I, I think he was a wannabe entrepreneur. It sort of didn't work out. But, uh, you know, bless him for trying. Better to have tried and failed, as they say. Talking of uh, entrepreneurs, it was the summer of 76. You know, that long, hot summer. I was down the beach. I went down there after work to try and cool off a bit. And I saw a friend of mine's car. He He was standing by the car. It was an estate car. They don't call them estate cars now, do they? You know, it's a long car where you open the whole of the back, the boot sort of thing. They're called station wagons in America. Anyway, whatever. 
is standing by his car. He's got the back open. And on the side of the car, he's got a big notice. <laughs> Cold drinks. And he had 7-Up and Pepsi-Cola and prices. And I wandered over to him. And I said, what were you doing? In the back of his car, he had a huge box, uh, which was full of ice. Well, it mainly turned to water. He said, well, I'm trying to make, trying to make a few, Bob. And I said, well, your ice has melted. He said, yeah, I've been here three hours. I said, how much have you made? And he'd only sold about six cans of drink. And he had dozens of cans, loads, probably a hundred drinks in this huge box full of melted ice. <laughs> so anyway, I bought a 7-Up or something from him. But he said to me, I, I was going to spend the summer doing this and make a lot of money. He said, I don't think I'll bother. That was his first day. But again, at least he tried. He probably had to have a license, actually. I did say to him, you can't just sell stuff to the public on the seafront. You probably need some kind of license. I don't know. They were different days back then. You know, these days, oh, health and safety, you can't do this, you can't do that. Whereas back then, you could more or less do what you like within reason. One of the chaps I worked with in the radio and TV workshop, he used to drive up to London at the weekend, Carnaby Street, various other places, and he'd buy cheesecloth shirts and tie-dye T-shirts, all the sort of hip gear, and he'd bring it back and he'd sell it <laughs> in the boot of his car. He'd open up the, the boot and he had all this stuff, and obviously making a profit, worked out his petrol costs and the rest of it. And I bought a couple of things, a couple of cheesecloth shirts, a tie-dye t-shirt and he always sold it he always sold everything he had and then went back up the next weekend so that was fairly successful another chap i knew he used to go was it the mile end uh, mile end road he bought drill chuck converters a chuck on the smaller drill it'll only take is it a half inch drill maximum well you put this other chuck in that one and it'll take up to i don't know whatever a bigger size three quarter inch or something and he was selling these in the Exchange and Mart. And he did quite well. Do you remember the Exchange and Mart? It was a kind of big mail order, sort of newspaper thing, really. And he advertised these drill chuck converters in there. And he was selling quite a few a week. He was always going back up the Mile End Road to buy, to buy a load more. I think he got other bits and pieces up there as well. Now, he did fairly well. But of course... You know, none of these people ever made themselves rich out of it because, well, you can't, can you? you? For a start, you don't buy it from a shop. You need to go to a wholesaler or import stuff from wherever yourself. Otherwise, you're not going to ever get rich out of that sort of thing. But it was nice pocket money. A chap I know a few years ago, he bought a load of shed burglar alarms. And what it is, you stick it in the shed and when you open the shed door... This thing had a, you know, like a, a PIR type sensor and it would go off and it was really loud. You know, hundreds of decibels of screaming noise and he bought them cheap. He bought something like a, a gross. What's that? What's a gross? 144, isn't it? Have you ever heard of a gross? Not gross as in horrible, <laughs> but gross as in a quantity. 144. I wonder why it's called a gross. That's an odd figure, isn't it? 144. So he bought this huge box full of these shed burger alarms and he tried to sell me one he said oh god buy one I said no I, I don't want one I you know it's, it's ridiculous I don't want that he was trying to sell them to me something like eight quid in the end he said two quid two quid to you I said I don't want one and he said well that's what I paid I'm just trying to get my money back and you know he never did sell them I don't know what he did with them in the end but um 
he wasn't online. He didn't have a computer. Oh, I don't want a computer. Because I said to him, eBay, you'll flog him on eBay. Oh, I haven't got a computer. I don't want a computer. Bit narrow-minded, really, isn't it? You know, a bit small-minded, really. He advertised them in the local paper. Not one answer out of a local advert. Not one answer. It's a waste of time. Talking of time, uh, I said about the clocks going, is it near back at the end of October? I've just set in here, I've got a digital type readout clock and it, I, can't, I can't set it. Trish can do it. I actually did it the other day. It takes ages, even when she does it. We get it right eventually. And the other day I did it. And I thought, yeah, I don't know how I did it. It just happened to be whatever I did was right. And it occurred to me afterwards, I should have set it an hour earlier because now at the end of October, I've got to do it all over again. And the clock in the car, I leave it. So for six months of the year, it's the right time. And for six months of the year, it's the wrong <laughs> wrong time. But Trish doesn't like that. She changes it. I can't be bothered with it. Why they can't make clocks easy to change, I really don't know. It's ridiculous. Talking of entrepreneurism, is that a word? Many moons ago, I used to repair automatic washing machines, had a a motor controller in, a little printed circuit board that plugged in and it controlled the speed of the motor. And these things used to burn out. A couple of components used to burn out. New ones were quite expensive. So what I did, I collected some old ones and I repaired them. Now there were other people doing this. There were you know, larger companies selling, like Exchange, you send them your old one and they'll send you a repaired one. Well, I started doing that and I think, I can't remember exactly, the components cost me, say, a pound and I was charging people £10. So I was making sort of £9 a go and it took, honestly, it took 10 to 15 minutes to replace the two components. I used to clean them up a little bit, you know, just give them a bit of a shine and seal them in a plastic bag so it all looked good. And I was selling, some weeks, I was selling 10, you know, reconditioning 10 that's 90 quid profit a week. And again, you're not going to you know, never get rich out of it. I also did washing machine motors. Again, the automatic washing machines, the motors used to burn out, the bearings would uh, collapse and things. And I used to put in new armature, that's the bit that goes round, and the bearings, which I found a place, a wholesaler, I could buy them cheap. I was making 15 quid a go on these motors. And each motor only took, what, half an hour? just to, you know, clean up, uh, re replace the parts, run it up and test it. Oh, I used to paint the end shells as well, the two end housings on the moats. Anyway, you don't want to know about all that. But uh, just talking about entrepreneurs and making money on the side, that was certainly a nice little earner back then, back in the 1960s and 70s, probably the 50s. There were people doing little jobs on the side. They had their main job, but they had their little jobs on the side just to make a bit of extra cash each week. I remember a chap who used to repair people's cars, not major jobs, but things like back in those days, the plugs, the points, air filter, change the oil, bits and pieces like that. Check the bulbs. If one of the bulbs had gone, he'd replace that for them and just make a few extra quid that way each week, which was good. I knew one chap, he used, <laughs> he used to go down the tip. I knew a chap at school that used to go down to the tip and get bicycle frames and wheels and bits and pieces. But later on in life, this must have been, I don't know, 80s, I expect, one of my neighbours used to <laughs> go down the tip. He used to get a load of bicycle bits and repair people's bikes. 
he'd also build bikes and spray the frames and everything and sell them. And he did quite well. He had a garage right down the end of his garden. And he did really well. I remember at the weekend, Saturdays and Sundays, people turning up in their, in their cars, going off with a bicycle or two. I think he did quite well out of that. So there were always ways of, of making money. I, one thing I did that, uh, where would this be now? This would be 70s or 80s, I think, when people had CB radios. They'd muck about with them. They'd take the top off and twiddle things and wreck it. So they'd bring it to me and I used to tune them up. I got quite well known in the area. If you want your CB radio tuned up, take it round to Ray. And I charged a fiver to tune them up. It only took me a little while, I don't know, half an hour at the most. Get it on the bench, take the top off, connect it all up to the test equipment, set it up and, uh, you know, a fiver. But of course, these days, nothing is repairable, is it? You just have to chuck it out, which is a great shame. Well, I say nothing. You can get certain parts, I suppose, for, for things... But it really is a throwaway society now, which is such a shame. Just going back to hotels for a minute. I've said that uh, we've got to go over to Kent. Is that that's next? Well, where are we? Yeah, this it'll be this week. And we may have to stay overnight. I may have to stay overnight. Trish is having a gallbladder out in this hospital place. Well, it's not a hospital place, is it? It is a hospital. And there's a possibility I'll have to stay overnight. So we were just checking local places in the area. £99 for a night. 99 you do get breakfast with that. Stone the crows. I said, I'll sleep in the back of the car. We've got a, is it an estate car? You know, we, a seven-seater, you can fold it all down. I said to Trish, I'll bung a mattress in the back of that and a couple of blankets, I'll sleep in the car. I'm not paying 100 quid for a night for a bed. <laughs> but I think in the end we've decided, I mean, hopefully she'll be out the same day. So it's a two-hour drive, that's the trouble. Well, two and a half hours with the traffic. And I said to her, if you do have to stay in overnight, I'll just drive home and then drive back there the next day. But is that normal? I mean, you know, just for a bed, well, bed and breakfast, isn't it, at a hotel? Is that normal? £99? Seems like, <laughs> perhaps I'm out of touch, but it seems like rather a lot of money to me. As I said earlier, we'll be in Bournemouth in a hotel, well, probably driving back when you hear this. I shall make a note of the prices of drinks and things like that. And I shall tell you, uh, if I remember, I will remember, I'll make a note just out of interest. Price of a pint of bitter, price of a glass of wine. Very often you buy a glass of wine in these places and it's cheaper to go out and buy a whole bottle of wine. Again, I know they've got to make their money. What was that programme, the hotel inspector, where this woman went round checking up on hotels? She used to say that a bottle of wine, you multiply it by three or something. So if you pay a fiver for a bottle of wine in your hotel, you sell it for 15, something like that. I think that was about right. Because she was going around hotels where they weren't making a great deal of money. And she was saying, well, your wine's too cheap. Buy it for a fiver, you sell it for 15. And by the glass, you work out some other horrendous way of doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. As, uh, I mean, they must have a lot of expenses, hotels, insurance, electricity, heating, lighting, all that stuff, gas, staff. They've got to pay the chef. They've got to pay all the staff. I don't know how they do it, really. Some of the smaller hotels, unless they're kept really busy, they're just not going to make any money, are they? I suppose what I should do is look for a small bed and breakfast place in Kent. 
you know, with the old landlady. Oh, hello, dear, come in. What do you charge? Oh, only 20 quid a night. You get a lovely breakfast for that. You get a full English. All the gear and cereals, toast, orange juice, coffee. Oh, have those days long since gone. Just this second had an email. Hello, Derek. Nice to hear from you. He says, in your old days, the early days, why was it always pubs? Wherever you go, it was a pub or a club. The thing is, Derek, that's where everyone met. There was nowhere else. Well, there were things like tennis club, sailing club. I mean, I didn't sail. I can't swim. Uh, I can't play tennis. And everyone went to the pub. See you down a pub tonight? Yep. Oh, it's Friday. We'll meet at the pub. Then we'll go on to the nightclub. That's the way it was in the 60s anyway. Uh, I don't know about later on because I you know, obviously eventually got married and had children. I didn't go clubbing. <laughs> I would have been told off had I done that. It wasn't so much that it was the pub. It was the meeting place. It just happened to be the pub because it was a friendly place. You could sit down, you could stand at the bar, have a few beers, meet new people. I think the problem these days from what I'm hearing on the telly and all this cost of living crisis as they call it businesses are closing fish and chip shops are closing down they can't make the money they're, they're paying so much for their their fish and the you know the flour to make batter and whatever it is they're having to put their prices up and of course people are thinking well, I, I cannot pay in that for fish and chips it's not their fault you know it's not the fish and chip shop man's fault and sadly so many pubs have closed I think I've said this before I've reeled out a whole list of pubs that used to be in my hometown that are no longer, they don't exist, they've gone. Such a shame. And pubs in the UK, pubs have always been the sort of centre of the community, especially smaller pubs like in a village. If the village pub goes and the village post office, the little shop, well, that's the end of the village almost. And around here where I am, there are no, well, there are local pubs. Well, not so local anymore, they've gone. You've got to walk into town and it's not, a pub in the middle of the town, to me, isn't the same atmosphere as one slightly on the edge of the town or out of town, because you have a mix of people. That there aren't the the same old people there, you know, the regulars that meet every night, the the same old crowd, you know, uh, with a few newcomers. Of course, in town, it's all sorts of people going in and out of the pub, people that are shopping, people that are just here for a day or two, perhaps on holiday or whatever, just passing through. But they've all gone. I, I don't know. I don't like it. Pubs were, as I say, the the sort of centre of a lot of communities. Even within the town, you get uh, quite a big area with a pub. Then everyone from that area would go to that pub. There was a lovely one not far from me. That's gone. That's now a, a flat. They've turned it all into flats. There are one or two left. And of course, the trouble is now, also, there aren't any within walking distance. Well, not unless you want to walk a long way. So you've got to drive, and that means the drink driving thing. You can't do that. So it's, I don't know, it is a great shame to see all these pubs closing. Just looking at some emails here, several of you have said that I've met some interesting people during my lifetime. I have. One mentions here the boat, uh, the boat girl, Emma, on the boat. I mean, that was, uh, you know, if you've listened to that, as you can see, that was pure chance, just happened to be, walking past her boat and she said can you ever look at my radio pure chance only knew her for a week and a half was it something like that and it was just a, a pure chance meeting I suppose although it's something I'll never forget it was quite an experience it wasn't a kind of major thing in my life you know just a week and a half it wasn't a major thing there's a girl what is she must be 
20s, early 30s at Shoreham Airport. I've seen her. She does videos. She flies small fixed-wing aircraft. She flies helicopters. She must have some money to do all that. It's not cheap. And she's always putting these videos on, which are quite interesting because obviously I know the area. She flies over Shoreham. She flies over Lansing, Worthing. I think she flies out to the Isle of Wight sometimes. Now, she would be an interesting person to meet if she's single and there's a single lad. Bump into her while you're having coffee at the airport. Or could you ever look at the radio in my helicopter? <laughs> but this is how things happen, isn't it? It's not just going and standing in the pub with your mates, hoping to meet a girlfriend sort of thing, or someone that will turn out to be a girlfriend. Yeah, have a look on uh, all her videos are on TikTok. Uh, I don't really use TikTok. One of the granddaughters put it on for me. She says, oh, look, you're like this. And I don't. Actually, there are some things on TikTok. They talk about uh, there's people with engines. They've done up stationary engines, vintage things like that. Some of that's quite interesting. But a lot of it, to be honest, is just, well, in my view, it's just rubbish. Time to put my engine away soon. We've got that time of year now. It's damp and it's, it's lashing with rain now as, as I speak. A friend of mine just wanted to see it running and I'm just waiting for a decent day when uh, I can say to him, right, well, pop round and I'll fire up the engine for you. But I'm going to have to drain the petrol, drain the water and uh, put its cover on and put it away for the winter. Now, what sort of winter will it be? A lot of people are talking about that. We do that in Britain. We've said this before. We've talked about this before. Everyone here, they talk about the weather. What's it going to be like this winter? Will it be, what was it, a, a blast from the, no, freeze from the east or something? <laughs> they come out, all the newspapers come out with all this rubbish. It's going to be a severe Siberian type winter. And then it's the mildest winter on record. Then the papers are saying, mildest winter on record. It's going to be the hottest summer ever. And it's the coldest ever. So they all get it wrong. The weather forecast, the papers, everyone gets everything wrong. I don't think there's any real way of telling what sort of winter we're going to have. There are so many variables, aren't there? Like the jet stream does things and, or it doesn't do things as we thought it would. And I don't know, it gets colder or it gets warmer. One thing I do know in general in Britain, in general, things are becoming not so significant. The change of the seasons are not so significant as they used to be. You get to autumn and it's still quite warm. OK, it rains a lot. It's definitely noticeable that when we get into the winter months, there isn't that change that there used to be, the ice and the snow and the cold. We sort of drift into one season, slight temperature change, drift out of that season slight temperature change <laughs> apart from the heat wave this summer of course now I remember a chap talking to me nothing to do with the weather or the seasons he said what sort of person do you want to meet what sort of girl do you want to meet and marry and I hadn't got a clue I think I was about 18 I said I don't know I don't know what you're talking about marry I'm not getting married he was quite a bit older than me and he was saying I don't know why I've just remembered this but I did so I thought I'd tell you he said if you go to a rough part of town, a rough area, into a rough pub, you'll probably meet rough girls. And I was thinking, well, OK, yeah, I mean, that's not strictly true, but OK. And then he said, if you go to a posh part of town, into a, a posh pub or a club, tennis club, sailing club, as I mentioned earlier, you might meet a girl with some money or her daddy's got some money <laughs> and he'll buy you a house and stuff like that for a wedding present. I never thought about money. I said to him, when I'd 
go out with a girl. I, for a start, I'm not thinking about marriage. And if I was at that age, I wasn't thinking how much money has she got? How, how loaded is her dad? <laughs> he eventually, it was sad actually, he eventually married a girl with money, well, a lady, a woman. He was quite a bit older than me. What He was 10 years older than me. And he had, she was a lovely girl. And she had, uh, they had their baby, postnatal depression, which went on for years. And in the end, they split up because of it. it. She wasn't getting any better. I don't think he knew how to cope. I haven't seen him for a long time. Presumably he's okay. But that was all very sad. Her sister moved in to help with the situation, help with the child who was growing up, school trips and stuff like that. And he moved out. So you can't, you don't know, do you, who, whoever you marry... Uh, you don't know what they're going to turn out like. You just don't know what the future holds. I remember, it's quite a common, well-known saying. People say, if you want to know what your wife's going to be like in later years, look at her mother. Well, in my case, I'm extremely lucky. I'm not just saying that. You know, my mother-in-law, is a, she's a lovely lady. And if that's how Trish turns out in her old age, I won't have any complaints. <laughs> Does that work in reverse, I wonder? If you want to know how your husband's going to turn out, look at his dad. Now, there's a thought. Talking of relationships has just reminded me. Do you remember I said a few weeks ago, I wonder whether people think about the old days, like someone you've been out with in your teens. Do they ever think about you and wonder what you're doing now? I mean, I sometimes look back and I think of someone, particular girl, or like Emma in the boat. I wonder what she's doing now. She's probably got a huge boat, an ocean-going liner. <laughs> And aeroplane and a helicopter. No, I don't know. She might be she might be broke somewhere. She might be living off benefits, having no money. You just don't know how things are gonna turn out. Oh, the sun's come out, blue sky, that's nice. I wonder whether she ever thinks of me, oh that ray bloke that fixed my radio, yeah, that bloke that didn't like boats or the sea and wouldn't come to the Mediterranean with me. You never know, she might think of me. <laughs> I hope they're nice thoughts. Right, my jaw is aching quite badly now. Not surprised, it's almost been ripped out of my head. <laughs> uh, hello, Bob, nice to hear from you. I'll answer your email in a minute. Yes, I mentioned people trying to change someone. I'll probably talk about that one next Sunday, where a, a couple meet each other and one of them tries to change the other one. As Bob says, it reminds him of uh, friends when they were younger. As soon as they got themselves a girlfriend or a boyfriend, they're no longer able to hang out with their buddies. Yes, I've known that happen. A friend disappears for a few weeks or months. Relationship breaks up and they join the, they're back to the fold, back to the fold in the pub. But uh, yes, also the people wanting to change people. I've got some good stories about that from the past. And of course, my story, did I mention it? About uh, a girl I went out with and her brother, and his girlfriend, we were all going on holiday to the New Forest in a tent. We were camping, would you believe? This episode was meant to be all about camping, wasn't it? Well, it kind of was about not camping, going to Hope Cove in bed and breakfast rather than a tent. Anyway, I shall tell you all about that, the brother and the sister and uh, people changing other people. I shall tell you all about that next Sunday. So in the meantime, take care. Thanks for listening. Bye bye for now.